0: River Radio Spread the Word Windsor, Windsor Ascot, Ascot Maidenhead, Maidenhead Bracknell, Bracknell Wokingham, Wokingham Henley, Henley Reading okay. The Voice River Radio Of the Thames Valley some food cause I wanna eat too Good morning and welcome to this show. Let's do lunch with me, Jenny Tishi. I'm a registered nutritionist and author of several cookery books. And I'm an absolute foodie. And this show is all about food and nutrition. I introduce a series of different producers, farmers, photographers, nutritionists, you name it. They've been on this show already. And I've only been going since September, so that's not bad. But today I'm joined by Anna Oldbury. Now, Anna is someone that's been on my radar for a wee while now. So she's the founder of Lyobites. If you've come across them, they are 100% raw fruit, freeze-dried snacks. They're absolutely delicious. I absolutely love them. My kids love them. Um, but welcome, Anna. How are you today?
1: I'm very well. Thank you for having me, Jenny. It's an absolute pleasure. And yes, I mean, I hope we're going to have an amazing time together chatting about food, life,
0: families and business? Yeah, do you know what, well, all of that, because I think they're all absolutely fascinating. We're fellow foodies, and uh, I know, you know, I Talked about your product, but I think we'll also be talking further about other food inspiration too. Um, so here I am, a mother speaking to another mother, and I can understand the issue with fussy eating. I've had you know two of my own, and uh, I'm from a very large family, so I know how difficult it can be. But in your case, you took things a step further, didn't you? I mean, you now create and sell what you created, which is the ideal snack for at the time your fussy eating daughter. Can you share with our listeners how your are <clears throat> business came about
1: yes so um it was quite a few years ago now actually it was back in 2017 and uh, my kids were kind of school age at the time um as any apparent uh, of kind of school age kids you're trying to provide healthy school meals and and, and healthy packed lunches and and you know, I cook from scratch, I'm, a, I'm from a very, very food-oriented family and my Eastern European background as well. We sort of cook from scratch, eat a lot of, eat a lot of soups, eat a lot of veg and, and, and fruit. And unfortunately, kids are kids, so they will not want uh, things that are good for them, they will want things that are colourful and they, they just, just like things that are not necessary, something that the parents want them to eat. Um, I was working in London at the time and I didn't really uh, f- find the juggling career and being a mom easy. So um, I decided, actually, I'm going to take a break and just think what I want to do. This coincided, obviously, with, you know, my my youngest daughter kind of being quite fussy. She She's a bit OCD as well. So mm-hmm. she's funny with in terms of textures, in terms of um, eating things that are sticky. So getting fruit for her um, meant I couldn't even give her like... Um, um, cut apple in her packed lunch because she wouldn't have it because then her fingers would be sticky and she wouldn't eat it. So um we were actually on holidays in Poland at the time and um you know, actually what it started anyway so it started with her picking freeze dried fruit out of my cereal. And that kind of didn't really kind of you know uh, translate to me as oh this is a business opportunity this is something that I can I can help with uh, other mums. Um it was as, as what it was and when we were in poland at this half time it was 2017 we actually saw big big packs of freeze dried strawberries that was one of the um, kind of big um um sort of supermarkets and 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 the girls were like oh, i mean can we buy it can we buy it? it looked colorful it looked you know it looked quite inviting and literally, uh, within one evening, it was all eaten. And then I was like, can we buy more? So um, throughout the throughout the stay, we kept buying it. And we brought some with us in the trunkies. The little trunkies were full of, of the strawberries and bananas. We came home and then the, the other friends came over and they loved it. And this is when I almost had this light bulb moment of thinking, this is amazing if I can only get this to pack in her packed lunch and then give it to her to school. Because... Then I've realized that actually it is so nutritious as well, which I didn't really think, you know, you, you eat your cereal, you actually treat it as a, as a kind of like, oh, there's a fruit there. Mm. You don't necessarily think this is actually as good as fresh fruit. So, um, so yeah, So and that was the time when there was nothing like that on the market. I actually looked, I couldn't find any other um, sort of... Um, well, you could have, you could have bought it, but in a big bag. So, I, I, what I wanted is to give it to her in a packet, so she can take it to school. She can be excited about having it and sharing it. And. And this is how my bite idea came about.
0: I love that. I love that it was her picking something because this is so, so often the case. And I talk about it as a nutritionist, but, you know, so often the case that actually what they can't have, they want. Right. I think that's the case of life. (laughs) But when it comes to children and food, you know, often if a parent is sitting there having something and the child wants something, I actively encourage it because that's when they do stretch their palate a little bit. But a case in point here, your daughter loved it so much that you decided it was a good idea to then put it into bags and sell it yourself, which I absolutely love. And it's important that they are individually packaged because, I mean, freestyle dried fruit does it it gets soft quite quickly, doesn't it? Is that one of the things that you had to think about? Clearly, the first bag you bought got eaten in an evening, so it didn't matter so much. But if you're putting it in a lunchbox, that's one of the things you have to consider.
1: Absolutely. So I think um, what what our customers often uh, don't realize, and they often ask, oh, can you make bigger bags? Can you make bigger packs? Why is it so small? It is pocket size for various reasons. Um, first of all, because of the nature of the fruit, that freeze-dried fruit is 98% um, of fruit. There's only 2% of water. Wow. So we basically take everything almost all the water out which makes it nice and crunchy and and then very flavorsome and you get the core flavors of the fruit mm. because when you think about this just to give you an idea about the strawberries that are very much water-based fruit when you condense this flavor when you remove the water this is this is why are we so successful because you just get this amazing flavors coming through. but obviously the downside of the removing the water is that as soon as you open the packet. We have a moisture in the in the air and, and obviously then they rehydrate, so they turn mm. back into strawberries, which you know it doesn't affect uh, the, the, the quality in terms of you can still eat it it's just not it loses the crunchiness, loses the appeal loses the the top um, a kind of um, um, idea of actually having a crunchy snack rather than than, than you know soggy fruit. Um, and and I think as well uh, on the go you do want to have a, a smaller pack. You want to be able. I mean, our size is designed so you can fit it in your back pocket, literally, ah, and so fantastic. light you wouldn't even feel it.
0: Yeah, uh, you so can you could sit on it. <laughs>
1: Well, I wouldn't, yeah, that's the problem actually, yeah, you know, maybe not. But, you know, if you were going running, trekking, cycling, um, mm. again, you know, it's ideal because it's very light. Again, because we will remove the water and they are extremely light. So we have 80 grams of strawberry, which people think, oh my God, there's nothing in it. It's almost like it doesn't weigh anything. But the translation into real fruit is 80 grams. So eight grams of our wow, product okay. is 80 gram, which means that really you're just getting a convenient alternative to fresh fruit. We're not trying to replace fresh fruit. I eat a lot of fruit. I always have a fruit bowl in my house. Um, Like I said, as a a person who is very passionate about food and eating, I wouldn't want to just eat pre-packed snacks. Mm. But this is something that, you know, when you're on the go, when you're traveling, when you pack your pack lunch for yourself, for the kids... Or when you go to the gym, you know, and you don't want to come back home because, you know, you're going straight after, you know, you're going to see a friend or something, you pick a pack of banana and it's going to give you the energy without giving the sugar crush after, because yeah. there's no added sugar, there's no no nasties, it's literally just 100% fruit.
0: Which is interesting what you say about the rehydration, because actually just this morning I've had some of your freeze-dried apple, um, and I just ground it up into um, what I call an instant bircher muesli, because you don't always have oh, yes. apples, or you don't have some the apple juice, and I love um, the crunchiness of the freeze-dried apple in my overnight oats or my instant birch muesli or literally just because it does rehydrate really quickly I just have that in my in my Mm. sort of uh, porridge if you like and it and it is like having fresh apple again so there's advantages to the fact that it's freeze-dried and then rehydrated as well so it does both things but but I find it fascinating you go from 80 grams of fresh fruit to eight grams of freeze-dried that's that's incredible um so you launched in was it was it March 2018 that you came to market yeah yes
1: so and- it took me 12 months to to get to the market, which I at the time kind of thought it was quite a long time. But I was told by the industry insiders that considering I was the one person launching the product, <laughs> it was quite brave and actually done well.
0: <laughs> you did really, really well. That That is that by comparison to a lot of the businesses I've spoken to, that is pretty darn quick. Um, so a question yeah. for you. When you came to market, did you have the full range of flavors that you have today? Because you've got quite a range now. Was that immediate that you yes. had all of those flavors?
1: Oh, even more so, actually, uh, that coming from, not coming from food industry, I actually was quite naive when I launched. I've, I, was, I was, like you said, a mom making, uh, uh, you know, having a, a dream and actually making it reality. And I wanted everything to be perfect and everything to be, you know, like as colorful as possible. And we actually launched with six flavors. Wow! So we now have.
0: (laughs) That's brilliant. You've gone from like like, that to that. You've learned.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So we have had so three of our current flavors: uh, strawberry, apple, and banana were in the first sort of um, launch uh, range. And we also had something that was blended with smoothie bites. So I don't really want to talk too much about it because we no longer have it in a range. Yeah. The reasons we, we kind of trimmed down the, uh, the offering was that it was, first of all, a business decision. Because as a small business, there's a lot of money uh, involved if you have six flavors. And actually, you learn it on the job. So this is what happened to me. I kind of learned thinking, okay, when you have six... It basically means that you have to supply six and obviously we have minimum order quantity for fruit. We have, you know, we have to pay the suppliers. And so that's the first reason. Second of all, we wanted to make the, the product just a little bit simpler. So the Mm. smoothie bites were hundred percent fruit based, but they were blended. There were complications in terms of keeping the consistency, you know, the same time that the product is the same flavor. And, you know, actually, it was interesting because I had a meeting with someone who is also in the food industry and very successful in his own rights. And he has made me realize—I was literally getting a free advice over coffee—and he has made me realize that you know what we have—the the, the, the fruit crisps, that the 100% fruit is sufficient, and actually not even just sufficient, is amazing. Uh. And he, he actually said, look. You, because I was just being a bit shy about oh that we're just having three flavors at the time if we were to trim them down just to the fruit, but he said no you actually have something that in itself it's it's really a disruptive product as it is it breaks all the all the kind of conventional snacking um uh, kind of um labels and 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 yes yeah, so so he gave me this encouragement and I actually found yeah let's let's go for it, and you know what i I'm not looking back and we now have also uh, orange, but
0: yeah.
1: looking looking forward. And actually, if I was to give advice to anyone who starts a business, do not over um, skew your product. So, for instance, don't feel shy about launching even two flavors initially. Mm. Three is ideal, but but I think you know we we get especially like I said, especially if you are uh, you know someone who is relatively not new to um, to, to to business or, or industry you almost try to prove yourself. So you think, oh my God, if I have six, then people will notice me more. But you know what? If you do three and they are really well done and you then work on improvements in terms of the flavors, in terms of the packaging and people love it.
0: Yeah, it is, was good. It was good enough, offering. wasn't it? And that's the point because you were saying that actually there was nothing like this on the market when you were looking. So the fact that yeah. you put something on the market that wasn't there before, yeah. that was enough. <laughs> you didn't need to then go exactly. and boil the ocean. Yeah. And I mean, they're great flavors, aren't they? I mean, you, you highlighted absolutely. the attraction your children had to strawberry and certainly it's a very very beautiful freeze dried fruit but I mean of course having banana, apple and orange as well that does and if people really want to combine them they can if they want to make the smoothie absolutely. bite sort of offering they could couldn't they? Um, so I know you mentioned here about you know your naivety coming into this I think it's absolutely brilliant so many people like yourself coming up with an amazing idea and going forward with it I know it's always a bigger entity than people ever ever assume it's going to be or imagine it's going to be but did you I mean you came from from a retail industry background, didn't you? Were, were there things that you brought with you from your, um, you know, your experience in that industry that were helpful to you in this industry?
1: Uh, yes, yes, indeed. I, um, so when I launched Lyobytes, I was already 40 years old, believe it or not. And this was when I actually thought, okay, either now or never. Uh, it's almost like people do get to this age and they think, okay, uh, but prior to that i was kind of yeah i was working in more like a corporate walls so i was actually working in luxury retail oh, wow. uh, from the early age yes yeah, so from the early age throughout um throughout so i moved to england uh when i was t- t- i think 23 years old and and then i yeah i got a job you know in customer service i've worked through, from customer service sales logistics operation management um and then in the meantime i also completed uh, a degree in fashion management which which really is a retail studies with um, marketing and merchandising and, and buying kind of um, uh, Highlights and and sort of so you learn to be a buyer. So I actually wanted to really be on the other side rather than me now trying to get the buyers to secure those (laughs) those projects. I wanted to be the one that actually has, yes, absolutely has the influence and power. And, um, and, and, and yeah, so, uh, but throughout the life, you know, life turns out as it turns out. So then I had my kids, and obviously I didn't really want to change the career. Um, I did a project management course, I'm also, um, agile certified project manager. Um, and all those skills throughout my journey, throughout my life, so starting very young and actually even doing things like prior to um, to having like a professional career, but working hospitality, working um, as a PA uh, in my first job back in Poland, I have learned so much. And you, I could not have launched my business if I was 23 with no experience mm-hmm. because I have learned throughout my life, I have learned, first of all, organizational skills, um, how do you talk to people? How do you approach people from different backgrounds as well? When I was working in the you know, in the industry that um, you kind of deal with quite a lot of high profile customers, you lose the in, uh, it kind of in, intimidation of dealing with big buyers of yeah. talking to important people. You don't lose it, you obviously, but you almost treat them, okay, they are human, they want to talk to you, they want to, and that helps in business, because when you are a small business and you do need to make those calls, you need to talk to those buyers, and sometimes also customers, you uh, you get sometimes negativity and people are really challenging you as a brand owner or your product. So the resilience is something you learn throughout the working career, and I have learned the customer service is something that's crucial if you run your own business. Because if I didn't know how to deal with difficult inquiries or customers, my business could be, literally die overnight by someone making a really, really negative comment, you know. Yeah. And people look and read. Um, and I think on top of all the career um, aspects, I also think being a mum. Has I've learned to be a little bit more forgiving. So, you know, when I deal with suppliers, when I deal with, you know, customers and, and, you know, people who work for them. So, you know, our, our, um, buyers and, and our demand managers, for instance, and there are mistakes and there are things that I always have to look out for my own business because I have thousands of businesses they deal with. Mm. If I'm not going to make sure that our delivery slots are confirmed and they're correct, they're not going to be looking, oh, you know, this, this. So, when they make mistakes, you know, if when I was younger, I was very unforgiving because I'm quite a perfectionist. And I was thinking like, how can they do that? You know, that's just unprofessional. And being Eastern European, quite fiery. So I was kind of quite, I wouldn't say rude, but kind of thinking like, you know, when you are a mom, you learn that people with different skills. And if we all were the same, we this world would be very boring place. So I might be good at one thing, but there are people that are, perhaps more creative. They're not necessarily the most organized. And also, like I said, we all make mistakes. So instead of basically dwelling on it, you just basically solve the issue, move on, make up, you know, always be nice to people you work with uh, because you just don't know when you're going to need them. And also at the end of the day, those people as well, they have jobs, but they also have families and they have issues in their lives you don't know about. So this mistake could have been caused by not just a bad day but something that's going on so
0: exactly do you know it's, it's really interesting you say that i think you're absolutely spot on there i think both life experience but also parental experience does give you those lessons that allow you to be a little bit more understanding of other people's situations we've all found ourselves absolutely. you know in, in that sort of sort of situation or something similar you mentioned a little bit there about your um approach uh being you know quite fiery uh being eastern european i would love to find out a little bit more about that. So so let's just take uh, a brief pause and then let's find out a little bit more about your background and your childhood. We'll be back with you in just a moment. Windsor, Windsor. Ascot. Yeah. Ascot, Maidenhead, Maidenhead. Bracknell. Bracknell, Wokingham, Wokingham. Henley. Henley, Reading. Reading. Okay, Ta-da! The Voice River Radio of the Thames Valley. Welcome back to this show. Let's do lunch with me, Jenny Teacher. This is the show all about food and nutrition. And today we're joined by Anna, who's the founder of Lyobites, which are 100% raw fruit, freeze-dried snacks. And I am a customer and a very much, uh, a very happy customer. You'd be glad to know because you don't want to deal with an unhappy customer (laughs) on a podcast on a Friday morning. Uh, So um, we were talking a little bit before um, the break, a little bit about your uh, business and how it became to be, how it came to be. Um, But I'd love to understand a little bit more about you. and your background. So you've mentioned that you were growing up in Poland, is that correct? And then you moved over here when you were 23. So tell me a little bit about your sort of food memories of growing up there.
1: That's right. Yes. So I'm originally from Poland, uh, born in north of Poland. And uh, yes, I've moved here when I was relatively young. So my adulthood obviously was uh, mostly in the UK, but. Food was always part of my life. Um, I didn't intend to work in food. Interestingly enough, and I didn't really think it was my passion, and it has become my passion mm-hmm. later on in life. But actually, I have always been around food. So my, so my uh, from my mom's side, actually, my grandma is um, Polish, but actually born in Vilnius, which is Lithuania, and a lot of the dishes that were served in in my house um, over like. I mean just all the time, but also over Christmas, are very much influenced with the Eastern European um kind of dishes. So they're not necessarily pure Polish Polish, but they are very kind of Polish, you know, Poland is a very mixed country. People don't realize that it's it's a multiculture. We have been the borders have moved over the centuries back and forward. So we obviously have a we have a German influence, we have the Russian influence, we have the um um you know Lithuanian uh, influence and and even Turks, you know. So even Turkish, when when we go to somewhere like Crete on holidays, we actually find that they have a lot of uh, things wrapped in cabbage, which which is very similar to our galumpki, which which is a mm. stuffed um, stuffed cabbage with uh, with meat and and rice um, in tomato sauce. And so my my mom, so my grandma's always cooked, my mom's always cooked, and my dad's always cooked, and uh, we've always had a fresh food. Poland, when I was growing up, under communism as well, didn't have ready meals. There was no such thing. Um, it's not. It's no longer the case. Unfortunately, we have now moved on. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I wouldn't say it's a good thing, but you know, people are becoming busier and they want a bit uh, more convenience. But at the time, everything was cooked from fresh. Everything was bought locally sourced, so I would say back to sustainability it, it, it's, it just sounds really crazy to, mm. to say it, um, but we actually have been very sustainable, eating local produce in season, buying at local markets um, you know times were different, obviously there was no online and there was no uh, <laughs> and there was no supermarkets actually there were more like independent shops we had a bakery, we had a fish um, a fishmonger and and the butcher and, and the veg store. Um, and yeah, and that was, uh, great because I have also learned, and that's another thing that come from my, my mom and my grandma. And, um, you to cook from like, you, you know, cook on a budget with, with sort of small choice of ingredients, sometimes in terms of like a meat and fish, not because we were poor. We were actually quite, you know, like, comfortable. It's just Poland was uh, it, under communism we actually had Russians for um, for meat, right. for instance. Yeah. So you would have, I don't know, I mean, I can't remember, but it was, the, I remember times when there was like a half kilogram p- meat per, per person per week wow. and that you have to spread it throughout the family and hence a lot of Polish dishes are influenced by that where you would add things to it. So you would actually make the, you mince the meat and add rice to it and add veg to it and fruit and veg was always present in my life and very much, I would say 80% of, of the, of the dish would be fruit and veg. So, um, as much as people think of Poland as very meaty, very heavy food, we are very resourceful. And for instance, um, even now i i i always i'm always amazed when people are kind of uh you know they, they refuse to pay more for like a free range good quality meat um so we, when i buy chicken this chicken would last me for a week we actually we make a soup out of it then out of the soup we've got the meat we can make you can actually make um chicken pie you can add it to a sandwich you can you know you can add it to a salad and i just i just think it's come from my background it's come from come from almost this this mums and grandma's juggling they kind of their life and trying to make nutritious meals out of nothing. Um, And also, like I said, we were very lucky in Poland because we have a lot of seasonal produce And you know what? We didn't have avocado. I mean, i never actually tried avocado until I came to England, believe it or not. Yeah,
0: well, it's not exactly uh, local, nor seasonal, nor anything, either in the UK (laughs) or in Poland. So there's a good reason why most people didn't have it until they're a little bit older, except probably our children's generation who probably think, I don't know, they grow in East Anglia or somewhere. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes,
1: and and, and and yeah, and, and that's interesting because I've never actually, and even a curry, we've never had a curry because we, we're we just not as multicultural, but absolutely love good curry now, and uh, I absolutely love love avocado. So, I, you know, I mean, I think we're very, very fortunate. We get all this exotic food, and I'm a big foodie, and I love trying different cuisines and different foods. But I think, like I said, um when my love for food was throughout my life. And in my adulthood, I started taking more interest into recipes, into fresh cooking and and fresh ingredients. And this is what I now preach. And I live my life like that. And obviously now I have a food brand.
0: Yeah, Uh, It's even more important as well. Exactly. I find it absolutely fascinating, though, that what you were saying about the fact that your environment growing up is kind of almost what influenced and dictated the way in which you, you ate. So as a child, I mean, would there be a dish that you would consider comfort food, that you would have considered, that's the taste of, of home that's the taste of my childhood is there one particular dish that sticks out for you
1: i think it's the beetroot soup uh, which is something that my kids love as well um so it's a it's a very traditional polish uh we, we love our soups by the way i mean i could like i, was, I could write a, a cookery book on soups <laughs> sounds soup good presents. to me
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah beetroot soup is absolutely amazing i mean it's it's hearty, it's um sweet and slightly tangy it's a quite easy to make as well. It's very good for you as well. It has has a lot of good nutrients. Um, it kind of lowers blood pressure, which I I kind of like, I need to be careful because I've got quite low blood pressure. I don't actually have a problem with high blood pressure, but if anyone has a high blood pressure, it's a perfect, beetroot are perfect. And they, they, um, and we eat it either with little dumplings um the meat dumplings or if you're vegetarian uh with like a cabbage and mushrooms oh. um that are in the soup or with the croquettes and the croquettes are kind of made out of crepe like pancakes sort of savory crepes um w- again with sort of a meat uh, rolled and um kind of you know um f- fried they sort of in breadcrumbs and then they fried and and you've got the crunchiness of the croquet and mm. you dip it in the beetroot soup.
0: I hate this is love... making people hungry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's making it me is... hungry. <laughs> Absolutely delicious. It, it is very, like I said, it's. A, um, it, it does bring me nostalgia. I think it's it's uh, uh, there, there's quite few Polish restaurants, and they they do normally they they tend to serve it. Um, but I do encourage to try, and you know, and you know, it's a really good warming uh dish as well because Mm. the soup so the soups in poland are not thick like the in the uk we don't blend the ingredients right so for instance um i'm still very much the creamy soups i still it still reminds me very much of the baby food i don't know why but i just we don't do the creamy soups Mm. it it just comes from my culture it's not a criticism it's just a culture culture um, habit where our soups are clear so they're almost like a broth Uh, okay of a different Of a different color and type. So we would have a, a, you know, like a chicken broth that's just very clear and you can literally almost, it's almost like a a wonton soup type. Mm -hmm. And you can add uh, noodles to it or you can add um, veg to it, but the veg would not be blended. There would be a chunky veg that Mm -hmm. you would eat. So it would quite quite filling. In terms of a beetroot soup, it could be um, a beetroot soup with beetroot and carrots and potatoes inside, but you could also make it... um, as a drinking. So you put it in a special jar that kind of you drink it and then you obviously have your croquet. So it's almost, you know, it's, it's, it's when it's very cold and that probably is again influenced by the weather in Poland being cold in the winter. It is a warm, it's very warming for for you. So um, I remember actually about 20 years ago, it was probably a a winter of a century. We went back to Poland with my husband as well as his parents who Mm -hmm. are British. And that was the first time they came over and it was over Christmas time. And we, we went to my hometown and then we traveled to south of Poland into mountains. Um, there's a ski resort called Zakopane. And I think it was about minus 20.
0: Wow. Celsius. It's probably the coldest <laughs> so they i ever experienced, I'd imagine.
1: It was something that I didn't even myself anticipate. It's not that usual to actually have such a cold weather. So we were obviously wrapped up from head to toes Long John's and all, even though my husband refused. He said, I'm not buying it. But eventually, yeah, he was just, he, he, you have to. And he got he, over his Britishness. He, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. I think once you're there, it's it. Um, so what what kept us going was the soups. So you basically almost go in and out to a restaurant. You you warm up. You have a either mulled wine or soups and and just to warm up because can you imagine eating a salad in that weather it no just would way not
0: <laughs> no <energy>. way yeah <laughs> and that's really interesting so do your i mean obviously we we talked about at the very top of this show about your your children one well, particular of your children being really fussy but like do, do will they eat this sort of food is that something that they're quite amenable to because that's the norm in your household yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes. So my kids, even my youngest, who is really fussy and, and it's very interesting because I have two girls and they very different foodies in terms of my mm-hmm. eldest is more like me. So she's a bit more plant based. She will eat meat, but she was considering going vegetarian, pesticarian. You know, she's going to the stage of trying experiment, yeah. but she likes um, she's a bit more. She's easier. So she will mm-hmm. try different things. She actually likes to try octopus women on holidays. Um, she's she's more experimental. My youngest, still very fussy, still a bit OCD, but she loves gherkins. She loves beetroot soup. Her favorite soup, and I go again, um, the listeners might find that a bit strange, but actually, there's a, a dish in Poland called the gherkin soup. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> and that's, that's, um, that's, I do, again, uh, encourage you to try it. If you are into experimenting, if you are in a Polish restaurant, it is absolutely amazing. And my youngest daughter, the fussy eater, who will probably, you know, enjoy her McDonald's when she can, when I'm not there, and it's, we always fight over her wanting to eat, you know, things that I don't necessarily approve. Mm-hmm. But she will always have um, this core. There's a lot of core dishes, Polish dishes, that I've been cooking throughout the childhood that they still love.
0: Yeah, so it's is great, so isn't was... it, that they did have yes. that exposure? Because I think sometimes if you have a picky eater, it's really easy to just keep on going down this more limited yeah. route. But if you yeah. have all of these recipes from both your Lithuanian roots and your Polish roots available to you that all are based on making the most of seasonal local produce and to your point where meat was rationed at one point, influencing further the use of things like rice and fresh fruit vegetables, fruits and vegetables to kind of bulk out dishes, then actually that probably worked in her favour, despite the fact she's a bit fussy, which a lot of kids are just exposure over and over again. I love the fact that her favourite soup is gherkin soup, I can't get my head around that, that's (laughs) quite a strong flavour for someone that's quite, but you say her pickiness has been more around um, textures than it has necessarily flavors, which might explain it.
1: Yes. And I think also she has more savory flavor. Save, she's more savory influence. So, for instance, the reason, you know, I was so, so desperate to get her into, you know, like, a, you know, snacking on sort of strawberry that she actually liked is because she's very difficult in terms of fruit mm. because she prefers things that are salty. Uh-huh. And that's where you kind of think salty, obviously, Walker crisps. So, you know, this is where I was trying to, okay, you know, Let's try to get her to eat fruit. So, for instance, if I cut the fruit for her, it's almost like I have to prepare it for her. And, you know, I, and, and again, she has to be at home and she has to eat it, you know, with a fork. She, So it's quite difficult. I mean, she wouldn't pick a banana and eat it. Mm. it it's just not something. So, yes, yeah, so I think the can I mean, you know, we, we are also quite experimental in our, when we travel, we don't just stick to you know, what the food hotel has offered and kind of cater for the British families. Um, so the girls have been exposed to food. We, we love going to, uh, you know, countries like Greece, Crete, uh, Italy. Um, we even been to Mexico once upon a time. I mean, we no longer travel far away because just with kids, I, I like to explore Europe as well. But the girls have been tr- eating like they love things like olives. Mm. Um, they, they like um, they like to try different, you know, the type of cuisines that you know that are available. And and I think with Livia, my youngest, it's more about the texture, so she wouldn't have anything in a sauce. Everything has to be quiet, yeah, clean, and on you know on the separate on the plate. Um, and then, interestingly enough, because I had to cope with this over her thirteen years, she's thirteen years old now. I have learned that I cook sort of almost separately for her, and you know when I serve it to her, it has to be sort of things that she likes. But I've also been giving a lot of advice to parents. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done so many events, um, spe- especially early on uh, before the pandemic, obviously when it was possible. We have engaged with parents, and I was I literally saw parents walking past, uh, you know, a stand in like a local fair or um, with a with a, with a with a child eating dry pasta out of a lunch kind of box, wow. you know, mm. and, and, and I, and I was kind of like, Oh, come and come and try Lyobites. And they're like, Oh no, 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 she doesn't eat any fruit. And this is all she eats. And I'm kind of thinking, this is my daughter, isn't it? Yeah. Like if I was to give <laughs> up,
0: perfect. Yeah. I
1: would, yeah, it's a beige, beige food. That doesn't have any sauce. that doesn't have, yeah, that this is exactly what Livia would eat. And I said, I do encourage you just, uh, just take, uh, just t- take a piece of a strawberry and just give it to her. And and I promise you that this lady, I mean, she suddenly changed my life.
0: Oh wow! Yeah, she changed
1: my life because the daughter loved it. She she was. I actually have a picture of her coming up to at a sampling plate and eating. You know, literally like eating our fruit. Like there was just like you know because she didn't know it was fruit.
0: Yeah, when it doesn't really it look wasn't... like a strawberry. I mean, it tastes yes. incredible, but it doesn't look like a strawberry, so that's good. <laughs>
1: Exactly. And she was, she was so delighted. She said to me, you know what, this will change our life because she said, I'm going to be your customer now forever because it is, it is basically a perception. It's especially when you have fussy eaters, a lot of it comes from something in the brain tells them, I don't want to get my fingers sticky. Mm-hmm. I don't want to touch this sauce because it's, uh, it's yucky, you know, the sauce is, um... so my daughter, like I said, she has this phobia of mayonnaise, which, which, you know, any mayo and, and it's kind of it really makes it difficult because you obviously have to then it's almost the point like you have to keep it away from the table and and i just i can really relate to parents who struggle but then all i could say if i was to give them advice persevere listen to your kids but persevere and look look out there there are things that they will eat get them to try it reward them you know reward them like saying okay if you try that you can have you know your favorite cartoon or you can, you know, I buy buy you a toy that you wanted. And I think um, for us as well, the packaging, I found that the kids really like the idea that, you know, they almost sometimes don't know what's inside, but they pick it because it's nice and red and fun.
0: Yeah, do you and know what it is? It's colourful packaging, isn't it? I think that's important. But I think going back to that about sort of, um, you know, we, when you do have picky eaters, again, one of the things that I would say as a nutritionist is exposure. You know, it doesn't have to be no one has to be forced to have anything. But if it's yeah. certainly within your vicinity, and to your point at the very beginning, you know, that your daughter picked freeze dried fruit out of your cereal, just because you had that. But it didn't mean you were giving her that because you did. You may have initially thought, oh, but she probably wouldn't like that. But by just Mm. being exposed to it, seeing it, seeing people eat it as normal. I think that can be really, really helpful, can't it? That's absolutely brilliant. Do you know, I find uh, the whole subject of fuss eating, I mean, obviously, we we could probably talk for an hour on that alone, which is, uh, I mean, just incredible. (laughs) Absolutely. But your daughter is 13 now. And where would you say, you know, she's at with her journey? And does does she eat a greater range now that she's a bit older?
1: She, yes, she's a little bit more, you know, she actually, you know, for instance, she'll be like, oh, mommy, no, I'm not hungry, I'm not hungry. And when she actually... You know, when I said, that, no, no, let's eat, we, we're trying to eat as a family to encourage the, you know, the eating and sort of monitor what what they are eating. We always have fresh cooked meals. Um, I think working from home helped. Mm. Um, one of the one of the reasons I started uh, Lyobites as well is because I really struggled when I was commuting to back, you know, I mean, we live in London, but obviously working in central London, I was always on the go, Either at work or cooking for the next day, so the girls can have, you know, freshly cooked meals. And it's very difficult with teenagers because they obviously stay at school a bit longer; they've got activities. But we we basically make an effort to eat as a family once a day. And we, like I said, we I know now what how I can actually psychologically influence her to eat things. Yeah. So if I serve it to her in a quite a nice way so the plate it actually looks inviting she will eat it
0: um, <laughs> gotta do a little marketing <laughs> Market absolutely yes yeah
1: <laughs> absolutely um if you know um in terms of uh fruit and veg there are certain veg that she likes more than others but you know i i it's just presentation as well so i can for my eldest daughter i can make a salad she will eat it my youngest will not eat mixed salad, but she will eat a cucumber, which is on the plate, cu- cut in slices mm-hmm. and then tomato, whole mini cherry tomatoes. If I cut it and put it together, she won't eat it. So it's just <laughs> learning yeah, different understanding there.
0: Yeah. And, and again, though, she'll still know what all those things are because she'll see other people having them. She will see other people having them together. And actually, yeah. over time, it'll probably just become the norm that, she'll, that she'll eat them together. I,
1: absolutely and i think you know as well like if you you know if, if the kids don't want to eat broccoli i mean she loves broccoli and i remember when when the kids were younger i would always talk about broccoli trees you know it's almost yeah, like, okay, yeah, you yeah. don't give them soggy broccoli you give them broccoli trees they can hold and they they are very good with that they love broccoli um and then and, you know and and i think you can make food fun as well you can use so um i do a lot of you know, I make my own jellies and decorate it with lyobyes or with fresh fruit. Ah, cool. The way I make them eat fruit as well is because, uh, is, is, you know, things like berries, they're quite difficult for them to kind of like eat just, um, so I buy um, frozen um, and, and I make put them into jellies and then they're more likely to eat them because they want the jelly.
0: Yeah, yeah, so absolutely, is- yeah. Do you know, you're just reminding me with the broccoli trees. I remember once yeah. when my kids were much, much younger, I made what I was calling a volcano, but basically it was a, <laughs> it was a, a whole um, pile of sort of mashed root vegetables. So I think in there I had parsnip, sweet and potato. And then I put baked beans coming out like the lava. And then on the side of the volcano, oh. I had broccoli trees. They thought it was brilliant. Yes. It was a lot of effort to go to, but it did all get eaten so I will say that (laughs) Um, one thing we haven't talked about and I think we should so Mm -hmm. we'll just take a brief moment and then we'll come back and talk about um, some of the challenges that you faced I mean obviously we've had this huge thing called the pandemic um, and a lot of small businesses will have been struggling because of that so I'd love to find out a little bit more about your business and how it's faced those challenges so let's just take a brief pause and we'll be back in just a moment across the Thames Valley one more time across the Thames Valley this this is River Radio well
1: now for some pop music try this
0: welcome back to this show let's do lunch with me jenny Tishy. i'm a registered nutritionist and an absolute foodie and today we're talking to anna oldbury who's the founder of lyobites this is 100 percent raw fruit freeze-dried snacks now the last two years have been quite a challenge for many a business um tell me a little bit about what it's been like for you
1: yeah, it was initially it was scary. Mm. Uh when the pandemic hit, it was scary on different levels. I mean, obviously we have never anticipated what would happen to the world. Everyone was in shock. Um we literally were kind of thinking, okay, what's going to happen now because a lot of first two years of trading I have done events, marketing events almost like every week. I was exhausted, but this is this is how I promoted the business. Um I promoted it by talking to other parents, by talking to professionals, going doing samplings in London, going doing samplings in big and small events. And obviously then we have a lockdown. And I'm kind of thinking, okay, what now? Yeah. Because our marketing activities now are basically I have to stop. So everything we had booked, everything we planned and like like I said, like for like most of the people, initial reaction wasn't even the business like it was kind of like, are we all going to be that you know are we all going to be, is ill what's going to happen but when when we started realizing that actually it's not something that's going to end within a month we don't have to strategize um so we were very lucky because we were on okado right. already we've, yeah. we've launched in okado in uh, april 2019 um so We've had quite established position on Ocado in terms of having loyal customers, and it was not uh, by luck. It was not by uh, chance. It was a lot of hard work. So it was a lot of promotional activities, uh, sending people to buy our product. Because I felt that obviously Ocado can supply customers in a weekly shop, which I couldn't do directly from the website. Sure. Yeah. Um, and we've done a lot of hard work prior you know, uh, 2020. So they, there was a year of a very, very sort of, um, heavy marketing in terms of, um, building customer base, but you know, it wasn't as simple because initially I don't know if, if the listeners can, can actually relate to it, but we all had issues logging into and, and the online shopping.
0: Yeah. Even so, getting a slot. Um, if you did yeah. get it, yeah, it was quite difficult, wasn't it? Yeah.
1: So So we were actually in a position where our loyal customers could not have bought the Things that would normally buy, they couldn't log on, they couldn't. so we were as a small business, you think, oh my god, is mm. this is this going to be now the end? like is it like how what's gonna happen? but we so yeah, so like, luckily things kind of stabilize a bit. um the sales have actually gone up because I think a lot of impact on fresh eating and fresh produce um have kind of made people buying things like our snacks more. um I think. You know, a lot of a lot of people wanted to lose weight. Uh, bites are extremely low in calories. I mean, <clears throat> we're talking about twenty-seven calories per pack of strawberries.
0: It's incredible. Isn't maximum, it? yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, which is literally like less than eating a uh, whole apple, a uh, fresh apple. And then a maximum is fifty calories per, per, per banana, which still is very very low. And, and and again, you know, you have the the sense of eating something, putting it in your mouth, rather than 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 just sort of. Um, biting on something it, it, it's just a different it's a, it, it's a different experience so we've incre- we've actually had increased sales then we've um we've also as, as, um, been approached by amazon and we now sell on amazon prime so again yeah. they saw the opportunity for us to provide a snack for that people will actually like when they're at home when they're trying to eat well and um and we were also um approach by Weight Watchers, and that was something we've worked on pre- previously, but didn't materialize, and yes. and actually over the 2020, it happened. Uh, again, because they, they, the centers were closed, and they wanted to add today uh, offering on the online shop, so we were very, very fortunate. Um, but saying that, uh, I didn't just wait and and, and and hope that things will improve, because we've lost a lot of opportunities for new business development. We've had... Um, two uh, trade show canceled. We had all the consumer shows canceled. We couldn't really approach new buyers because buyers were not in the office. They were not interested in adding to a portfolio because all they were interested in is to fulfilling, you know, fresh bread, milk, and and toilet paper. Mm. So um, we we proactively started kind of um, spending more money on uh, business to customer sales on our website, which we've done from the beginning. But uh we've always been just selling organically, so throughout the pandemic, we were just doing a bit more of uh, Facebook and Instagram advertising to bring more customers to the website and 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 sell more directly, and concentrating on social media, just you know doing webinars, talking to people online um and doing a little bit um um more kind of direct to consumer um advertising. But you know it was scary. Like so, as a small business, we've survived. We've mm. we've still we continue our growth year on year, um, and we've stabilized our, our position on on um, with our current customers. And we are, we are delighted because we we actually come out of it stronger. But I do have a lot of, a lot of, uh, I think it was not, it wasn't luck. It was just, we, it was the right time for our product. So from disruptive brand, when we launched and people were asking, what is it? Why? What's the point? All of a sudden, the whole idea of eating healthy, not, no GMO, sustainable product, supporting local and supporting small business owners have become more important to people.
0: Yeah, so, so it actually it was tight, the right product at the right time. So, in some ways, you know, there I set but I mean, there are businesses like yours that have benefited yeah. from people's change in their behavior and their approach towards eating, particularly as a Absolutely. result of the pandemic, which is really interesting. So, and I think the other thing I've noticed, and certainly talking to lots of small businesses in the food industry, is that people like to connect with the with the brand itself directly with the brand itself and particularly when it's something like this which is a disruptive brand and you've talked about it being the first to market in this country with that offering so people want to know the background which is you know why we talk about this sort of background that we're talking about today which is wonderful but the other thing you've got involved in are some community projects um can you tell me a little bit about how you've got involved and which ones you're involved in as well that would be fascinating fascinating
1: yeah, so throughout the pandemic, we were working with FairShare. I think even before pandemic, actually, whenever we actually had an access stock or, you know, as, as a starting business, we actually had some um, some uh, closer to end-of-life product, which doesn't is not an end-of-life because it's Best Before. So again, another debate that's going on now whether Best Before should even be printed on it because Best Before means that the product is the best quality before, can be eaten yeah. in case of freeze-drying for another five years after. So, uh, but we've worked, we were working with Fairshare, uh, supplying, you know, people um, with, with the, you know, with our products um, and donating. I even drove once to the um, Southeast London Depot just to deliver it myself because I, it's a small business. You just think, you know, if I can get that to them quicker, then, um, then it, it's better, isn't it, for everyone? Um we we are always, we've been very closely involved uh, with the Croydon Cancer Charities being based. So, so that's where we live um, in terms of like doing local events, um, supporting like a homeless charity throughout that. Um, I was fortunate to m- meet a mayor at the time um, as well. Over, I think it was a Christmas fair just before the pandemic um, and, and just trying to make our town um you know just just help local community so that was mm-hmm. always a core of a core of our activities and actually next next week i'm i'm uh, i'm involved in like um um legacy fair for young people like 15 to 21 to encourage them you know to to show them opportunities in business and uh talk to them about my business but also you know help them to do their cv yeah. and help them to understand what they could do in the future
0: oh, that's brilliant um,
1: Yes, yes. I think it's just—it's just really. I, I feel it's really important to embrace your local community and help. And we—we we are very kind of. We are in London, but we have quite a, a very sort of tight knit community here, and everyone is trying. And people come from different backgrounds, but everyone is um, is working together. Um, on a kind of larger scale, we work with uh, a charity called Smash, um, and that's been something that was uh, organized on a much larger scale. Um, in collaboration with guys in St. Thomas's uh, Charity, to encourage healthy eating amongst young uh, adults. And uh, Smash Up is uh, widely available in app store. Um, it is now available for adults as well. Initially, it was launched just for I think uh, 17 to 20 years old, or I think it was quite a limited. Because so the idea is that all the brands featured offer a discount and. The, the, the app will only feature things that are good for you.
0: Oh, I love so that. It, so, what's it called? Smash Up. Yes. S M A S H. Yeah.
1: And it's just, you know, when in a world where young people are so influenced by their phones and apps and that's all they care about, they might not even notice um, your brand or, or, or you know, or, or, or perhaps a brand that's already established but offers a slightly better. Option, you know, better option, for you option, yeah. healthier option, mm. and yes, yeah, so they they vet the companies they um and and like I said, the young people have this portfolio of brands, so it's almost like going on the but you know, you, you don't have the choice of okay, you, you don't know what's good for you, and when you are eighteen year old, you don't necessarily understand the nutrition, you just think, okay, I like that, that or I like this, so it's mash up. It is very much everything that's there. It's uh, it's uh, verified by nutritionists. Is um, it shows you the amount of calories, shows you the amount of nutrients, shows you what kind of uh, food it is, and and you know they have the confidence that they are eating well. That's pretty. I've never so heard of
0: that before. So I will. I'll make sure I share that when I share the um, podcast links as well. I think that's really useful for people. And it's open to what seventeen year olds plus? Is that what you're saying?
1: I think it's now been launched to a wider audience okay. initially it was for the younger one um I would, that would I would need to double check that oh, but I'll it look. is um, at some point I know it was just predominantly launched just for the young um, young adults mm. um but um I think now it is is it is more the wider public um the idea was when it was launched I think it was just to focus on young uh, young audience because yeah. younger people have that um, lack of knowledge and and you know lack of life experience, really, which, you know, adults can actually get throughout their life uh, with nutrition and cooking. Um, But then I think they probably came to realisation that there's a lot of adults that also need this guidance. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. It's a much wider audience. I I really like that. I mean, things like this that you get involved in, if people wanted to find out more about um, the sorts of projects that you are involved in and things like product development, with Lyobytes, the brand, where would they go to find out? Do you have a a newsletter or something like that that people can sign up to? Yes.
1: So that's, that's something I'm working on. Uh, I've just been so busy. It's kind of newsletter. It's a commitment that we have to, um, you know, to do regular posts and uh, our social media. We are very active on social media. So anything that is new and exciting, uh, it's always um, available on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, on Twitter and on LinkedIn. And Um, what's your
0: social media handle there?
1: So it will be Lyobite on Facebook, yeah. uh, Lyobite UK on Instagram, uh, Lyobite UK with capital UK uh, letters in, um, in on Twitter, um, and on LinkedIn it would be either myself, Anna Oldbury. I'm really happy to connect with people, and I just love you know the community there as well in terms of the business and support, uh, supporting each other. Um, and Lyobytes as well as a company we are there too. Oh, fantastic. Um, so people can connect. So, with you so all some phase. try. Absolutely, absolutely. So the newsletter is something that is, is, is a job in progress. It's just been quite difficult to juggle everything. Um, we are now actually recruiting uh, a new team member, but that's that's actually uh, something that I should have done long time ago. But obviously, throughout the pandemic, you just have this uncertainty about of course. what's going to happen to the business. Can you even afford to have uh, an employee and Um, It just got to the point where the business needs help and we, so yeah, so watch the space and and obviously when you do follow um, our social media tags, then uh, if there is a newsletter, we will then obviously publish it as well.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Um, Now that's been really helpful. I'll make sure I share those as well. So we're coming to the end of our hour now. So I feel like it's probably time to move (laughs) on to our uh, our quick fire questions. Uh, So Anna, really quickly (laughs) for you, what would be your last meal on earth, your death row meal?
1: Yeah. So I was actually thinking, you know, like, okay, we talking about the beetroot soup. I think it's probably...
0: Your beetroot soup. Yeah. I want to try this now. Yeah. It sounds amazing.
1: <laughs> well, it's interesting because from my Polish background, I would say the beetroot soup as a starter, and I'll probably have a beef wellington as my main, just coming to my Britishness because I've actually absolutely love it and I mastered it and I'm very proud of it. So when I have a dinner, dinner party, I actually make it for people and I'm, so it's almost like the because I don't think beetroot soup will be enough for me. Just to like you know, this will be a there. I
0: love the fusion here. We're bringing both parts <laughs> together. Any dessert going on there, or just a packet of lyabites? bites?
1: Probably a packet of lie bites.
0: Of course, yeah. keep it uh, you know, on brand. Um, if you were to have a fancy dinner party with four people, who would they be and why? Yes,
1: yeah, so I would say fancy right now uh, would be difficult. I think I think it's been very difficult times for all of us, and and I just wanted to. To maybe pinpoint uh, that, you know, if if I was to have a dinner right now, and I would not necessarily say fancy dinner, but perhaps more strategical dinner to change the way the world is going, I would mm-hmm. probably just sit down with, you know, Putin, Biden, Johnson, and Zelensky, and just get them to talk and to get finish uh, to end the this terrible war that is 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 happening right now. Um, Yeah, I just think it's not really time for fancy dinner right now. Let's just all try to get those people in power and try to reason so they can actually end this atrocity that's going on in Ukraine.
0: Yeah, I think that's a very uh, pertinent point. Now, if we could all get them to sit down in one place, if it was a meal that lured them, it would be a good thing. Um, Absolutely. We've talked a lot about um, some of your influences as far as um, your Polish food influences and obviously your grandmother from Lithuania originally. Um I would love to know. Uh, one of the questions I ask everyone that comes on this show: what your favourite restaurant is. But there is there a particular Polish restaurant that we should know about, that we should be going to, to try some of these wonderful things that you suggested today?
1: Yeah, so there is there is a rest, there is a very traditional restaurant in South Kensington, next, literally next to Tube station, and it doesn't even have a very Polish name. It's called Dakis. 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 Ah, okay. Um it's uh, it used to be when I first moved to London it used to be a very communistic looking it's almost like you felt like you were in Poland back in sixties. <laughs> well, I'm not even born in sixties, but in the you know, like in eighties um but but it had such authentic food we would still go there and actually since they got revamped so they've got still a lot of the polish influence yeah. um in terms of the the uh, photo old photographs and paintings but they are very the, the, the food is so to give you an idea the soup will be served from a big vase so the waiter will come serve you a pl- an empty plate mm. and they will hold the vase um with, the, with a spoon and serve it to you and this is a very traditional way of serving a soup um, so, I would I would say it's literally next to South can, uh So, it's a central London. Uh, and yeah, I recommend it if you want authentic Polish food, not like a twist, you know, with the kind of Asian or British or
0: this is it's a very real Polish food. Yeah, I pure, like that. Yeah. And uh, can I ask who your favorite chef is? Yes,
1: yeah, so I'm quite inspired by Gordon Ramsay because I just think he's really. You know, he's to the point. I mean, I'm a bit like that. So he's he, he speaks his mind. He's passionate. He has a passion for food and for people. And I think, you know, people always judge him of being quite impulsive and, and, and almost, I would say, aggressive in his TV shows. But, you know, if without that, you don't get to the to the perfection. So,
0: yeah. yeah,
1: you know, I've learned in the past, people that even the teachers that were strict are the ones that you've learned the most from. Very so true. I think you can... So, so, you know, so I'm sure he's, a, he's like a pussycat at home with his family <laughs> um, and uh, he has a lot of a big heart. Uh, and but I think, you know, if in business you have to, you just have to have the personality. I think if you don't have personality, don't make it. Yeah, and you know his Beef Wellington, and again, you're like it's kind of almost like I'm going back to this. So I'm, so I'm learning. I'm learning from from the best, if you can. And over the pandemic, I have been following, you know, a, a lot of TV shows actually with him and Jamie Oliver as well. Um, and I love Raymond Blanc is the one that I also like. I love the idea of his farm, you know, in Oxfordshire, and I'm I'm still yet to go there. But you know, all those chefs, they have resilience and they have the strength and they persevere um to to get where they are. They didn't get there by being being very quiet and being very sort of um, timid No, so, what you yeah, see is good.
0: what you get I think that's <laughs> the most important thing isn't it and it sounds like you're very much of that ilk as well <laughs> um, Anna, we've come to the end of the show um, thank you very very much for your time for those thank of you, you that have been listening in this has been fascinating we've taken a tour haven't we from the very start of your business with your picky eating daughter who needed some fruit and you created this freeze-dried fruit based on the fact that she was basically stealing from your breakfast <laughs> which, which yes. is no bad thing when it leads to a business and uh, a successful business at that Um, and we've taken a tour through to your childhood uh, your Polish food, your Lithuanian food background and here we are today. Um, Thank you very much for your time anybody that wants to find out more please do go and check out Liabites or Liabites UK depending on which social media channel you are looking at. Um, Thank you Anna for your time and thank you very much everyone for listening in today. I'll be back uh, next week and I'll be um, speaking to another foodie uh, and we'll be talking all things food and nutrition this time next week thank you